Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles We're in the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode 48 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan My name's Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter And my name is Ethan, you can find me on Twitter at Viva La Ethan I feel like there's only 148, right? There, yeah, absolutely, well, I mean, there's I mean, there's one now, but like one that you go to. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson, right? Seven time champ. You can't yeah. go. Yeah. It'd be like, no, the three. It's, uh, it's, uh, what? Elmo Langley or whoever drove the three. Right. Way back in the day. Elmo Langley. No, he drove the 64. Who drove the three? I don't know. Somebody Austin drove the Dillon. three a long time ago. A long time ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, thank God. That's going, that's going to aggravate me. Richard Childress. Joe Weatherly. Joe Weatherly. That's who it is. I don't know why Elmo Langley. I guess in my head sound like Joe Weatherly. We're coming up on Elmo Langley. Yeah. We are. I'm not going to give that away. That's a little ways away. Yeah. Hey, you know we're coming up on a year? Yes, dude. Yes. April 21st is actually our anniversary. Oh. It feels uh, like the last year. I looked it up. It is April 21st was the drop date of our very first show. Amazing. So how about that? We're coming up on it. I'm guessing that's episode 52 or 51. I don't know. I, ain't, I hadn't done the math, but a year adds up, right? So it's either yeah. 51 or 52, depending on how we count it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about it. I could not. I honestly, I knew that it would we would get there to a year, but like, it doesn't feel like it's been a year. It's flown by. Wow. Yes. Awesome. It has flown by. Uh, definitely crazy. Uh, actually I ended up, it might be 53 when we get to a year, which would be very fitting. Very, very fitting. And, um, you know, I, if anybody at all listens to anything that we do and sees any of my stuff on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you, probably know why 53 is important to me personally but yeah we'll get there when we get there absolutely all you gotta do is look at the logo right exactly so how you been man busy busy and tired you know but all good over here uh slowly but surely how are you doing feeling like a winner you you know yes you are <laughs> the only one the only person out of 16 drivers to pick the winning driver from uh, the cup race this past weekend. So congratulations to you, my friend. Uh, you are now tied with the most wins in, in the Marbles Fantasy Cup history, 
alongside yeah. with moi. <laughs> um, what's funny about that is I was, I mentioned last week, I was like, nobody's going to pick my pick. Nobody's right. going to pick them. And I honestly thought nobody would pick Harvick mm-hmm. because Harvick hasn't done a whole lot this year. So right. my pick was going to be Harvick. But then I saw right off the bat somebody picked Harvick. And then right. somebody else picked Harvick. And I was like, well, okay, hold on a minute. Let me let me look. And I'll tell you exactly why I did it. Just to give anybody else any info if they want to look at this kind of stuff. They got to know where to find it. But they had a practice session, which they don't always have nowadays. So hopefully right. they will start having more practice sessions. Not but, this weekend. <laughs> well, they they had a 50-minute practice session. And this particular practice session, they uh, I saw speeds, not only fastest speeds, like you can look at that if you want to, but that's more of a qualifying thing mm-hmm. than anything else. And even then, it wasn't really right. You know, it didn't match up with what happened in qualifying because the right. people that were slow ended up being up front. You know, so it it's hard to really judge anything just based on practice speeds. But I saw a, I think it was jsky.com I saw this, or maybe... Maybe it was their Twitter account. Mm-hmm. I saw a post that had 10 lap averages. Oh. And I looked at that and the whole top 20 or so, their fastest 10 lap average was their first 10 laps they ran. Except for one driver. His fastest 10 lap average was like from lap 21 to 31 or something like that. So oh. he found things and he got faster as he went along. Instead of just finding their speed and then maybe dropping off. That was William Byron. That's very interesting. He was the only guy in the top 20 or so that found speed as they went and actually was in the, he was in third spot with his fastest 10 laps. So I looked at that and then I saw where he qualified, which I think was second or third. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I don't know if he'll go back to back or not, but nobody else has picked him. Right. And that's my way of differentiating myself from other people. Um, By the way, there's only one trophy. Mm -hmm. Just letting people know, you know, you can, you can pick anybody you want to. That's, that's true. But Mm -hmm. I feel like there's gotta be a tiebreaker. If it actually comes down, I mean, it's early, but if it actually does come down, not going to name any names. If it actually does come down to where some people pick the exact same two people week in and week out all the way through the entire season, there's going to be a tiebreaker. And the only real way I can see there being a tiebreaker when somebody does that, because they'll have the same amount of first place, the same amount of second place, the same amount of third places. Right. That's the normal tiebreaker in NASCAR. NASCAR has built-in tiebreakers. If the points are the same, it goes to the person with the most wins. If those are the same, goes to the person with second place finishes. If that's the same, it goes on and on and on until somebody breaks the tie. That will happen in the cut in this fantasy cup if it turns out there's a tie. But if every single position is exactly the same, it's gonna go down. I feel that we're gonna have to go back and look and see who picked what pick first. Yeah, and we can definitely do that yeah. for sure. It's gonna have to go down to like it. I'm I'm just saying if two people pick the exact same people all the way through the season, which I doubt that's going to happen, 
but there's a trend going right now that it could happen. So I'm just going to put this out there really early in the season. If that's the case, we're going to go back through every single Facebook post, which is all there. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see who posted their pick first after the, um, the race thread was open. Which I actually, all, I'm really glad that you brought that up because you and I were thinking the exact same thing because I also wondered that. Um, I kind of been watching a little, you know, obviously I'm kind of the scorekeeper this season and I have all, everybody's picks, everybody, you know, all of it documented. Uh, so I started noticing a little bit of a trend like that and I went back and I already have an idea of who's been picking first. Mm-hmm. But between those participants and stuff. So, you know, it's only fair to break the tie with the person who come up with the person first. Right. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So it definitely is. There's only one trophy. I'm not splitting the trophy in two. I'm not buying two trophies. There's one trophy. And if there's a tie, it's, we're going to find a tiebreaker. <laughs> only one person's going to win this. So, right. And, just, you know, like, people know. <laughs> one thing. Jessica and I were kind of talking, uh, we went on a car ride or whatever, and we were talking about it. We were listening to the show on, in the truck and, uh, she was, she was kind of asking me about like longevity, you know, with this, um, fantasy cup series and how, you know, how it's so hard to, you know, try to guesstimate the winner, trying to get these points and stuff and trying to uh, establish a lead, you know, or, you know, points in our, um, point standings. And she was just kind of like curious um, how to, you know, establish herself. You know, she wants to beat me. She wants to, she wants to win everything, but you know, with her knowledge of NASCAR, you know, she's, she'll ask me, okay, well, you know, it's Phoenix. Okay. Well, who's, you know, who, what website do I need to go to, to start doing some research? Who mm -hmm. do I need to keep, you know, give me like a list of 10 drivers to, you know, keep an eye out. So, you know, I'll just, which kind of leads just to kind you know conversation like oh yeah Phoenix you know Kevin Harvick's good, uh, Fords are always good, you know giving her a very broad, like you know wide open like okay instead of forty drivers, here's twenty that you can you know kind of keep an eye on, um, and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> well, there's so much that goes into it. Because it isn't just who's historically good at this track. It's who right. is recently historically good at this track. I, right. I got to where I, I started watching um, the extended highlights on YouTube from the previous two races. Right. So I can see not necessarily who finishes up front, but who was running up front. Because sometimes things happen. You know, like Atlanta's coming up. Kyle Larson wrecked out both races last year. Right. That doesn't mean he isn't going to win. He was running up exactly. front when he wrecked. You know, I mean, right. Chase Elliott won, I think, the the last race here. He's mm -hmm. not going to be in it. But that nine car is, and that nine car got a top ten finish this week. He did. So what do you do with that? Are you, I mean, and Josh Berry isn't awful at restrictor play, or I'm sorry, super speedway racing. He isn't awful right. at it. So it's, it's, it's like an equalizer. So maybe this is his shot. Maybe this is Josh Berry's shot in a past winning car, the last yeah. car to win at this track, and maybe he'll get a top five. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, Corey LaJoy almost won the race last year. Yeah. You know, so you know, and I, I look at 
not only so I've been looking at the previous two races or so because we only got one year on this car, right? right. So pretty much yeah. the bulk of what you need to look at happened last year. And also the momentum that people are building this year. But there's also all these circumstances that involve certain drivers. Right. Like some people are kind of hotheads. And like if Bubba Wallace, who runs really good, who will run probably really good at Atlanta because this is kind of his forte. Right. He might be aggravated the fact that his car isn't perfect like he was at Phoenix. Or well, was it Phoenix or Vegas? He was so aggravated at his car not being absolutely perfect. He was just, oh gosh, he was so uh, annoying on the radio. Just screaming, bye, see you later. You know, as they all just passed him mm -hmm. and stuff like that. He was, I know his team had to be just gritting their teeth at how aggravated they were at him. Because it ain't like they weren't working at it. And he still wound up finishing in the top six. You know, he's like, he came back to do that, whichever track I'm thinking of. I think it was Vegas I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was yeah. Vegas. But it's like some guys are such hotheads and they have this um, or this mentality around them that kind of breeds chaos a little bit. So you got to like think you got to factor that in once in a while. It's not going to be that way, but sometimes it will be that way. There's a lot that goes into this. Yeah, and kind of getting back on track with what I was saying earlier before I lost my train of thought was, um, you know, with the point standings, you can't, you know, you have to go and, and risk some things. Like for me, I, I chose Kyle Busch. I burned up those three, those three. three picks, yep. you know, <laughs> just to mostly just kind of get it out of the way. But, I, you know, I'm glad I did because I got a win out of it, you know. Um, so if you're gonna if you're you know in a way if you're if you're settling for you know pushing someone at let's say daytona talladega type of terminology if you're gonna push someone all race long and when it comes down to the you know you might not have enough time to jump out and take that lead and win this championship you're gonna have to start making some crazy decisions and i'm really excited you know the the longer the season goes the more you know people uh, participants burn up their good drivers because mm -hmm. so far you know i mean with the with with the thought of like maybe a brad kozlowski who's not typically up there every single week in and week out um you know we've we've been seeing nothing but heavy hitters you know, Kyle Bush from me, Kyle Larson, uh, you know, William Byron's and and all this stuff. Like it's gonna eventually you're gonna have to start, you know, diving into lower like an Austin Dillon when it comes to Talladega or Daytona, or even this weekend at Atlanta. This weekend is a good weekend to try somebody off the wall. Oh my goodness, Corey LaJoy is I'm flirting with the idea of choosing Corey LaJoy because I know I know for a fact nobody else is going to choose Corey LaJoy. I know for a fact nobody else is going to take Austin Dillon. And Austin Dillon knows how to get it done on super speedways. I'm doing my best. I have a strategy. I'm not going to give a whole lot away. But I know who's good in the chase. Mm. I know that once these people win, they're kind of just kind of, you know, laying back a little bit. I understand this especially once you get mid-season on. 
They right. They they're not giving their all. They're not throwing everything they have out there. They're saving their good stuff for the chase. What teams always come forward in the chase and just dominate? Right. I mean, last year, okay, yeah. we had a couple that didn't win all season long that won the chase. I get that. But these people in the chase, they have to be there. They have to perform. Right. So kind of doing what I can to hold back on certain people until the chase comes around. Right. And then see where the, where the car cars fall from there. Yeah, for sure. And for all the participants that are listening, just, Atlanta is one of those, you know, it's now a kind of, I don't want to say it's a Daytona or Talladega type of race, but it definitely is right with the new format and, you know, with the repaving, it's, it's definitely an absolute wild card and we're going to go there twice this season. So don't, don't be discouraged. Don't be scared to kind of go out of the Hendrick, the Gibbs, the, uh, you know, the RCR realm, even RCR, I wouldn't even say, but like, a Corey LaJoy and Austin Dillon, uh, Eric Jones, you know, someone like that, it would be, it, it could really um, boost you in the, in this point standings for sure. Yeah. There's six races. Well, I mean, road courses are their own thing too, but right. there's six oval races that are just pure chaos or can, can end up in pure chaos. And this is one of them coming up. So if you got, somebody that you want to throw out there that does good on these super speedway races that you see up front at Talladega Daytona once in a while, they're probably going to be up front at Atlanta too. Just yeah. how it is. And let me, uh, let me go ahead and say this really fast. Just because Chase Elliott is injured and is not racing, uh, participants, you can still choose Josh Berry. Oh yeah. And it won't count against Chase Elliott. Yeah. It's not going to, we're not you picking know, cars. Choose- we're picking drivers. If you choose Josh Berry for the next three weeks and Chase Elliott comes back the fourth week, you can go and choose Chase Elliott for the next three weeks. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I don't know if I would do that, but, <laughs> you know, that's always an option. Um, speaking of uh, winning the race this weekend, which my, my strategy was, my strategy was to find somebody that I felt had a good chance that nobody was picking. And I did it. I found somebody. He dominated the first stage, kind of fell back. Not a whole lot. I don't think he ever got past fourth place. So he stayed up there in the top four or five all race long, usually first or second. Right. But right there at the end, that crazy, you know, deal where they had a couple of cautions right there at the end, they went to overtime. He managed to find a way to, to, to stick, have the car stick on the outside even on older tires and then through three and four, he wound up having his car stick through three and four right in the middle of the track instead of wash up like most other people did. And I'll get into Hamlin in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He just, <laughs> he did it. And in doing yeah. so with me picking William Byron, I actually won the first prize one this year so far in the fantasy cup yeah. uh, point standings. It's, yeah, Drew Vensel's prize that he donated, and yes, even though I'm part of the creation of this thing, I am definitely taking this prize because it's yeah. a relic card. Pretty, I think that's what they call them, a relic cards. So they're yeah, the yeah. Joey Logano card with pieces of his fire suit on it. It's already in the mail. 
I'm definitely taking it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm not a Logano fan by any means, but I'm kind of jealous. I kind of wanted that card, and I'm not even an ask. I'm not even a card guy. I'm not much of a know? card guy, and I'm not much of a Logano fan at all. But this is really cool. And if you Very ever cool. got to meet them, it'd be a neat little thing to get signed too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Oh yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, Drew was funny. Uh, he was talking about. I was like, it's like you actually got Caitlin. You guys actually got Caitlin into this racing thing. We're actually watching all of it. And he, she's excited about it and she's interested and she's watching. It's like, that's fun. That's that's so it's awesome. It's fun to to hear. It's fun to hear that that anybody is interested in anything just because we're talking about it. You know, isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah. yeah, my wife's all into it too. And by the way, she finished second. I think all the the women picked Blaney this week, didn't they? I believe they did. Yeah. I wonder. I, I was wondering if there's any sort of like conspiracy that drew you and I should be. I won. I don't care. Somewhat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you don't even care because you won. But I don't know. I was like, wow, that's so weird. Not, and that's not at all what we're referring to at the beginning of the no, show. No. But like, um, I just it's funny how that stuff kind of works. How all the 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 women, you know, kind of chose Blaney. So, and he, I mean, great pick. He finished second. That was awesome. A very awesome His pick. His second straight second place finish at Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it is. He finished second behind Logano, who, God, he stunk up the show. Oh, that was man. a little bit of a surprise. I, I, Logano started off really, really strong before the season started. Mm -hmm. And since then, I mean, he really hasn't. He really hasn't done a whole lot. I mean, was was right. he in contention at California? Uh, no, not because uh, wasn't. No, that was Larson who had the engine problems at. Yeah, California. Larson had engine problems. I can't remember. I think Logano was tenthish, somewhere hmm. in there. I mean, I don't think he was up there competing for the win. And I know he wasn't the next two weeks. So. I don't know what's going on with that that whole group. When Cindric is sometimes your top running Penske car, and then Blaney's your top running Penske car, and Logano, the past champion, hasn't really done that this year. This, something's weird. Yeah, I mean, give it time. I don't think he's done by any means. Uh, still, four, obviously, yeah. four races into the uh, into the season, so he has plenty of time to bounce back. So, yeah. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm happy. I'm actually, my lowest spot this year in in the fantasy cup is twelfth. That's awesome. Amazing compared to what yeah. it was last year. It seemed like a, my my sorry, my dog has found a pillow and he is shaking it. That's the loudest pillow you could have possibly found. Go in there and do that. Goodness, he's gonna bring it right back in here. Um. Last year it was like always you you win. Yeah, he brought it back. You win, you you finish fifth, and then you finish thirtieth. You finish seventh, you finish thirty-eighth. You know, that's how last year was for me. But right, yeah. Matt, come here. Come here. That's kind of how I feel right you, now, actually. You can't you can't have this pillow. This is too loud. Find a toy that's not I so loud. It's his pillow. It isn't like he's tearing up another pillow or something, but it's it's his right. pillow. It's just a loud pillow. It isn't soft by any means. So, 
And you know, really fast, I think Caitlin, speaking of Caitlin Vinsel, um, I'm pretty sure she, it was between you and her that had, were, were kind of like the biggest movers in the point standings after Phoenix. I know you went from what? It was a tie. Well, you were tied. Yeah, it was a tie for like fourth or fifth or something like that. Yeah. So you only went up one spot and now you're solidly by yourself in third but caitlin i, I want to say she went from like i don't know i'm gonna have to go back and look at those facebook posts but i want to say she was like close to 10 yeah, nicole top or something the, you know, got in the top 10 after a really bad daytona t yeah she's sitting in ninth and caitlin she moved all the way up to seventh you know and well we'll go over the the point the current points uh point standings here well, in a go ahead bit, but let's go ahead and do that we were talking oh, about now let's go ahead and talk about it yeah, well, we might as well. So, uh, Justin and RJ both tied uh, for first in the point standings with 167 points. You are third. John Brown um, trails at fourth. Billy has made his way up to fifth. Drew is sixth. Caitlin is seventh. I went from tied with fourth all the way down to eighth. Uh, Nicole is ninth. Jessica is tenth. Matt is 11th rock is 12th josh is 13th joe is 14th tim is 15th and our newcomer jody had a real damper of a day he he and i had the same (laughs) uh pick and denny hamlin and we didn't really it was his own fault that was his own stupid fault oh my gosh it was but really fast before we jump into that uh jody talk about that for an hour jody (laughs) uh jody Tim, Joe, Josh, Rock, all of you guys, um, don't get discouraged yet. And, you know, I'm especially talking to uh, Jody, who just came in for what, uh, three weeks behind everybody else. Uh, don't forget that Rock, he, he didn't uh, pick for the Daytona 500, and he's already up to 12th with 99 points. So, Jody, keep on doing what you're doing. It only takes, you know, two or three wins, and you are in the mix for everything so that's the fun part about yeah this. and and don't forget uh if you miss a race or two at the beginning of the season as the season goes on that's one or two races you have more to pick some of the better drivers than some other people do absolutely yeah, yeah. so you know if everybody's burned out all their kyle larson picks by you know um the first race of the chase maybe you still have two or three in your pocket you yeah, know absolutely and Hendrick comes on pretty strong at the end of the season, you know, it's just, that's what they do. And I mean, they're pretty strong right now, the way it looks. I mean, they keep finishing one, two, three, you know, all, all up there like that, but, um, don't, yeah, I don't want to see anybody stop playing just because it doesn't look like they're going to have a shot to win because I want to see how everybody how, how it all turns out for everybody. I mean, it's a free game. It isn't excited. like, you know, you're going to need money back if you quit playing or, or you're not, you're not going to spend money if you quit playing. I mean, you're not spending money anyway. It's just a completely right. I mean, free game. So just keep playing. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not going to quit, but I certainly was rage quitting <laughs> on Denny Hamlin this past weekend, which is a good segue into what you were about to get you into. No, I will probably not pick Hamlin all year long. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I'm yeah. going to make that a point to not pick that idiot all year long. You know, that could come back to I, bite you. That Those actions could be detrimental. Let it. 
let it come back. <laughs> I, I listened to that little segment, by the way. I saw it on YouTube before we started. <laughs> I mean, he just flat out admitted. He's like, oh, I messed up. I'm an idiot. So I'm going to take the one out with me. Just. Oh, was that the newest yes. episode? Man, I am so and far you behind. Didn't, on you actually podcast. didn't listen to this one. You listened to every single one of them, but you didn't listen to this one before. <laughs> so I, I normally listen to fully posable break breaker mains every Sunday. Like I always make time for it. I normally listen to our show back. I have, I am so, I think I'm 17 podcasts behind really? on like, I mean, there's 17 podcasts in my queue and oh my goodness, dude, I just, between three jobs right now and everything else I am, I am running behind on everything. <laughs> Yeah, I happened to, uh, I was just watching some YouTube videos and, you know, being the Chastain fan I am, I just searched up the Chastain wall ride stuff because I like hearing everybody's reactions to it. It's just hilarious. Like people that, that were live streaming the, the thing when it happened, like a group live stream yeah. and they were having like a chat room and everything going with the race in the top right corner of it. You know, yeah. and listen to everybody's reactions because it was like a guaranteed thing. Hamlin's going in and all that. And then Chastain does that. And you have people crying. You have people screaming. You have it's it's hilarious. And so, so I'm, I'm watching all that. And then on one of the suggestions, it's actions detrimental talking about uh, Chastain at Phoenix. And it's a little like nine minute clip, I think. And yeah, he he comes out and he says. I took two tires. Everybody behind me took four. I go into the turn and the car plows. It just goes straight. And he said, man, I'm, I'm going to lose all these spots. I'm going to finish in the mid teens or something because everybody's going to pass me. Cause he was like fifth or sixth at that point. And his spotter said one outside. So he said, okay, well at that point I'm not, I decide I'm not going to lay off the gas. I'll say, well, if I'm going to the back, you're going to the back with me. Like the mm -hmm. one did anything to him all race long. Right. Like right. the one had anything to do with the fact that he plowed through the corner. So he, he goes up and he pushes the wall one up into the wall. And this is with like a lap and a half to go here. But Chastain still keeps the momentum. Right. And he got back to the throttle faster than Hamlin did even being in the wall and everything. So then Hamlin proceeds to just, just bang on his rear bumper twice down a straightaway. And when they go to the corner, he just plows right through them. And the one, uh, Chastain, right. uh, Hamlin even said, now the one is hard to wreck. Cause I was trying to wreck him. And when he knows he's about to get wrecked, he doesn't want to wreck. And he is the hardest person out there to wreck. Uh, Hamlin would know because he's only done it once ever, you know, actually successfully wrecked Chastain. As far as I know, um, even when he's ever tried, like run them all the way down to the apron and stuff and push them up the track. He's never actually wrecked them. You know, right. he's, all he's done is aggravated them and he still didn't wreck them here because one finished right behind Hamlin. They right. said after the race, or Hamlin said after, I haven't heard from Ross. They said after the race, you know, according to Hamlin, Chastain come up to him and said, I guess I deserve that. Huh? I don't believe that. I, what did he, des did exactly. he deserve it? I, 
That's what because of the clash. Get over it. Oh my! Everybody goodness. was wrecking everybody in the clash. Hamlin wrecked oh. three, four times more people than Ross did. You know, I mean, what did he deserve? Because he beat you at Martinsville on a last second, you know, ballsiest move in the history of NASCAR. Are you are you mad about that still? Are you a little sour about it? I mean, it's everything's done. Let me say that. I have a lot of respect for Denny Hamlin. I do. I think um, I'll even go, okay, maybe, um, no, I'll say respect. I'll stand by that. Um, let me say that I think Denny Hamlin is the greatest NASCAR driver to have never won a Cup Series championship. I will say that. But, mm. man, he, the way that he's acting, he, he's acting like, like a dramatic little girl. He's well, I'm not gonna say that, but he he's acting like a little girl, you know what I mean? And it's like, golly, man, like it's so sour, you know. And I think that's why a lot of people are starting to boo him, and you know. But good for Ross, good for Ross for not stooping down to that level. But I will say this right here, right now. What is this? March 13th at 8:27 p.m. I will say this. I will I will make a wager with you. Uh, I bet you one whole dollar or one whole penny, one <laughs> penny that Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin are going to have a fist fight sometime this season. I I don't think so. You don't think so? This sounds like Ross is. I don't think Ross is going to go to that. I I so the way I picture this is I, I think Hamlin's like, too scared to fist fight Ross. Well, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I. The way I see this picture is if we have any more races like that, the ending of that race between the 11 and the one, uh, you know, he's going to poke the bear on the, on the wrong day. And Ross is going to get out of that race car and he's going to go over there and he's going to, he's, he's, <laughs> he's going to, he's going to do something. And I don't I know think, what it is. I feel like Ross will do that Earnhardt thing. I mean, he is the most Earnhardt like driver since Earnhardt. Oh, that I've uh, ever seen. He I mean, is because all he does what? is he smiles <laughs> after the race. You know, he roughs people up. Yeah, sure. Earnhardt did it all the time. I counted one race where he Earnhardt roughed up 20 different people at Bristol one day and still lost the race because he couldn't wreck Terry Labonte before they got to the line. I, I counted that. There was like 15 cautions and Earnhardt caused like 10 of them, you know, and all he did, all he does after he does something like that, when people are all mad at him and stuff, he just smiles and says, you know, it's like, well, that's racing, you know, that's all he does. He just smiles and laughs about it and cut. You agree or not? I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I, all he does is Ross Chastain. That's all he does. He just, when it's done, he doesn't get on the microphone and complain about it. What happened after he got wrecked at Pocono? That's true. He didn't get on the microphone and says, yeah, I'm going to take him out next time I see him. He just smiled about it. He says, oh, well, we'll see what happens next. You know, I mean, that's that's Ross Chastain's mentality. I don't think Ross Chastain will take his aggression out unless it's in the race car. But and even still, it won't be like a deliberate wreck him. It'd just be like, OK, going to get by and go beside him. Let's just rough him up. You know, and whatever happens, happens. I, that's just Ross Chastain's mentality is so much like Earnhardt's mentality. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And I hope people finally start seeing that 
because that dude deserves some of the respect, not respect maybe, but maybe the, um, Earnhardt got put on this crazy pedestal for the mm. way he drove. Right. Ross Chastain is the closest person to drive like Earnhardt. And I think if he keeps this up and still keeps that same mentality he has and continues to win races and maybe even a championship or two, he might get on that kind of pedestal again. Like he might be the next driver to be put on that kind of pedestal. I'm not saying he is the next Earnhardt. I'm not saying that because right. everybody thinks Earnhardt's this crazy, a deity person or something. I don't know. People think Earnhardt's a completely different thing, but I just feel like his composure and his attitude towards racing and his actual on-track style. I mean, look at how he won his first race. I've seen Earnhardt win a race like that. Right. Where he would knock somebody into somebody else and he'd wind up winning a race. That's what, that's what Ross Chastain did to win his first race. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen Earnhardt do that. And I don't know. I just feel like if people paid more attention to it, he could be their next guy. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I agree to a, an extent. I think um, maybe his... Men, um, what... Maybe his maybe his personality kind of reflects Earnhardt a little bit, but not his driving style. I don't think it's I think that's more Kyle Bush than anything. And that's not me just saying, ooh, yeah, my favorite driver is is no. Like I I think there's way more similarities between Kyle Bush and Dale Earnhardt than Ross Chastain and Dale Earnhardt, but Ross Chastain is just scratching the surface of his cup series you know career he's going to be a nascar cup series champion 100 percent. probably i, I want to say like maybe a three-time nascar cup series champion but it's not going to happen i don't think it's going to happen anytime soon but he has like he's learning things and you could tell how how much stronger he is the next week and the next week and the next week rosh Chastain will be a, a massive massive name in nascar he's been solidly in the top five uh, last couple of weeks. Absolutely. And just things co go happen at the end of it that mess him up a little bit. But yeah, he's been solidly running in the top five. I mean, there was a point where it was only him and William Byron that won every stage. Yeah. Just, just about, except for like one, I think. And that's a crazy stat when you go four races into the season and, and on, it finally changes, you know, with, with Kyle Larson winning a stage. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I mean, but both those cars they're there the 99 and the one they're both solid right now the one is beyond solid uh things just have to work right at the end of it and kyle larson knows about that because he's had a chance to win two races now that got messed up right there at the end of it and things just have to work your way harvick found that out this week too uh was it his 19th or 20th straight top 10 if Phoenix, uh, what is it? It's a crazy number like that, isn't it? It's a stupid number number like that. I mean, just unbelievable. I want to say it was 20. I want to say it's his 20th top 10. If it's not, it's his 19th. It's it's way up there. It's I mean, that's not, that's not 19 or 20 years because they do run twice a year at Phoenix. Right. So, But that's a decade of top 10s at Phoenix. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to pick him. But I saw so many other people pick him, so I just chose a different direction um well let's take a break real quick and then we're going to go into uh a little bit what happened at at um 
at Phoenix. But before we go, I want to talk about SkinnyMixes.com. It is a uh, really, really great site that has some really cool products. They're uh, all sugar-free. Some of them kind of cater to the keto lifestyle as well. It's drink mixes, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, and also syrups for coffees, things like that. I use them daily. My wife uses them daily. Uh, we take them on vacation with us so we can have the exact kind of coffee that we want everywhere we go. I literally have five, six, seven flavors I don't even know in my cabinet right now. Uh, it's probably getting on the verge where I'm going to have to start buying another, you know, variety pack pretty soon because I haven't bought any in a while and I'm probably running low. If I actually look at it, but it's something we always do. We always buy it. Uh, we swear by it. And if you go to skinnymixes.com and you check out all the stuff they have and you go to checkout, use the code marbles and it will save you 10% off your first order. So definitely go check it out. And I hope you find something you like. The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. If you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here on Pulling Up a Chair. So how do you make a commercial about something so random? I don't know. You make it pretty random. That's right. So if you enjoy lots of random stuff like food or top fives. Random facts. Dirty facts. I try to keep them clean. She tries. Uh, but come listen to Tales from the Estate. We have lots of fun. We try to drop shows every week. Try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. The kids are, the kids are a bear. They are. Uh, but yeah, come listen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Phoenix. Um, so right at the start, we had William Byron and uh, he took the lead from Kyle Larson, who got the poll, I believe. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So right at the start. William Byron takes off and he wins the first stage. What did overall though, what did you think about the racing with the new uh low down force package? Um, okay, so I I I was very excited about it because I speaking of Denny Hamlin, uh heard last week on Actions Detrimental um that Toyota I didn't know if Toyota or if the entire Cup series had a new aero package. And I think it was the entire Cup Series, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody. Yeah, so Denny Hamlin was really, really excited about it, and that's what kind of convinced me. I was going with either Hamlin, Blaney, Logano, or William Byron, and I unfortunately, I chose the lesser of all of them. Um, <laughs> I was... I was really excited about this race because it's... it's and we didn't really... I guess we didn't... 
really talk about it last week how important this race is even though you know this race is in march and the big race is in november and there's you know obviously completely different somewhat different well i guess it's you know it's pretty chilly here you know right now and it's going to be kind of chilly in november uh, but this is a really important race not only you know is this obviously a race for right now for points and all this stuff uh with an, a new arrow package but this is really great intel and really great information to gather so you can be way better prepared for november because we're going to phoenix Inter uh, international uh phoenix raceway to crown a cup series champion xfinity truck series champion and and in the Marbles Fantasy, Fantasy Cup champion as well. So I was very interested on watching everybody. But with, you know, the how strong Hendrick was with the 24, with the 5, I, I kind of tuned out. I was, you know, kind of busy doing other things. And I had it up loud. And I was, you know, kind of watching it here and there. But about 50 laps i was just like man i gotta go do some laundry i gotta do this i gotta do that so i wasn't really as interested in it after the green flag flew you know a hundred laps into it i was just like okay well i can still multitask where normally you know like last season or last year or last week auto club um daytona all that stuff vegas i was watching literally every single lap of it phoenix for some reason i hate this racetrack i do not think a championship should be decided there you cannot pass this aero package really did nothing for me um it was just kind of a it was one of those races that i'm just like man i really wish i could get on here on this podcast and be like man that was so good kind of how i was with auto club which i still think was the funnest race i've ever seen on tv but so that kind of made me really excited about this weekend and you know 50 laps into it i was like yeah i got some laundry to do you know <laughs> where last weekend i was like hey laundry can wait you know next week at atlanta or this coming weekend i'm gonna be watching every single lap but phoenix for whatever reason it is whether it's aero package whether it's just the racetrack itself i just i tune out yeah the Okay, so I watched Daytona in person, and Daytona's Daytona. It's its own thing, right? But I I will say that even though I was at Daytona, the most interesting race from start to finish, as far as a pure entertainment standpoint goes, is probably was Auto Club. Yeah. And, I mean, I won't go as far as to say it's the best race start to finish I've ever seen because I feel like, there have been some past Atlanta races that I feel are like that. Um, definitely the uh, tandem drafting era of Talladega uh, has been like that to me because I love that. I, right. I mean, 90 lead changes in a race. That's just incredible. Right. And I mean, I don't know. I felt like there's been more interesting and more entertaining races from start to finish, but this year I'll definitely go right there, right there along with you that the auto club was the most What's the most of that this year? Right. Uh, even over Daytona, because there was a there was a part there in the first 20, 30 laps of Daytona, everybody just couldn't couldn't move. Right. They're all just side by side like a pace lap, like a hundred and eighty five mile an hour pace lap, and it's just 
like I get it. People think that's exciting because they're really close together, but if they can't make any moves, then I mean, what's the excitement about it? Right. They're just riding along. They might as well be riding single file back in like they used to do way back oh, in the day. Golly. Yeah. And I mean, even that was, even that was kind of interesting because if one person made a move and nobody went with him, he, he could go from like second all the way back to 30th. So you had that risk involved with it, you know, but anyway, that's all completely off topic. But <laughs> as far as this rules package goes, yeah, it's another one of those races where you watch it, but you just kind of mostly um, keep an eye on it. Right. Like it's playing in the background. You're doing other stuff. Like I was cooking or I was packing the kids up for something or helping my wife get off to work or something like that. And I just kind of had it on in the background, keeping up with it. That's, that's the word I'm looking at. I was keeping up with the race. I wasn't exactly like nothing was happening. That's yeah. That's a way that's a, a spot on from what I was doing. I was doing the dishes and laundry. Yeah. I was keeping up with it for sure. And you, you could see people getting better and better as the race went on, like Harvick and Reddick, they were starting to get better and better as the race went on. And it took Harvick all race long to get there. And then he finally got there and Clint Boyer made a really big deal out of it on TV. You know why? Cause nobody was passing anybody. Right. So he made a crazy big deal about it. Oh, it's a pass for the lead. It's like, yeah, that's like the only one all day except for lap one that actually was under green or not. Even that was on a restart. Right. It's like the only one that wasn't on a restart or on pit road. Cause that was after a pit stop, but it was deep in a run, you know, without a caution. So yeah, that was a big deal because the last two weeks that hasn't happened. We haven't had any competition on the track. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it more competitive as far as that goes. But then again, not every single, like like we said last week, not every single race is going to be the most interesting, thrilling race you've ever seen in your life. That's what makes the better races that much better. Yeah, and, and it really, like, does my heart good hearing Drew, Drew Vinsel talk about how, you know, Caitlin is you know, starting to watch it and starting to get involved with it. I know Jessica's starting to watch it. You know, you said your wife is starting to get really into it. And then it's weekends like Phoenix where I'm just, I sat to myself and think, Oh my goodness. Like, man, I really hope we didn't just lose Caitlin, <laughs> Nicole, Jessica, Matt, you know, all these guys. like, and if you're thinking like, man, that was kind of a waste of time. Just hang on. Okay, hang on. We got Bristol Dirt coming. We got next mm -hmm. week, this weekend at Atlanta. Atlanta's going to be wild. It's going to be insane. And we got Darlington. We got, you know what I mean? Like, we got so much Coda. good. Yeah. You know, you see how many drivers have entered Coda? Oh, I don't know. Like I have two Formula One drivers and winners, and I think one champion and one winner has entered Coda. You mm -hmm. got uh, Jimmy Johnson entering Coda. I mean, did you see who was entering the dirt race? Davenport, like Davenport, yeah. The he, he is the the uh, he has won the most money last year in all of dirt late models. Like, yeah, he, he has bypassed every series. 
<laughs> hey, really the, fast talking about Davenport. Is Davenport he races the World of Outlaw dirt late models, right? Yes. Yes. Is he on that game? I probably so. I don't think without me was. looking at it, I don't know if he is or not, but without me looking at it, I would assume he is, but he might not be. But he won the Eldora Million last year. He yeah, won over true. $2 million on dirt. Yeah. So the fact that, I mean, that's so cool about this Cup Series right now is that so many people are getting these random shots. Just to, because it's, it's really old school. Mm -hmm. Because back in the day, these IndyCar drivers and, and USAC drivers would pop in once in a while. Then they'd run the Daytona 500. Right. Or they'd run Riverside. Or something. They 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 would do this. Like AJ Foyt would run once in a while. Mario Andretti would run once in a while. Uh, Janet Guthrie would want run sometimes. You know, just these 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 drivers that didn't run full time would just come in once in a while and do this. And we're starting to see that when we have Formula One drivers coming over to Coda, and you have these this this uh, one of the best dirt racers in the in the whole country right now. He's going to get a shot at the Cup Series. That's insane. Unbelievable. And did you see the car? No, I haven't. I haven't really checked my phone at all for the last week. <laughs> it is a mobile one number 15 and it looks beautiful. 15 for Rick Ware. Yeah, but it's a Stuart Haas entry. Oh, like okay. it's, it's Stuart Haas, uh, supported car. So it's going to be a Stuart Haas, Haas car. Pretty much. Okay. I get it. I'm cool with that. I uh, just, uh, but yeah, I mean, Hey, good, best of luck. I mean, I mean they almost if, won it last year. If anybody can do it, it's, it's Stuart Haas, you know? So, all right. It'll be interesting. That's why you got to tune in, watch out, well, tune but, in and watch out, tune in yeah. and watch <laughs> to find well, that's, out. That's Bristol dirt. That's a couple of weeks away. Um, but I'm just saying, yeah, like you were saying, there's so much good stuff coming. Oh, absolutely. So much good stuff coming and it's coming like this month. Like in the next three or four weeks, the next three or four weeks are going to be wild and it's just going to be fun to watch. So sometimes you have to get through races where you don't have a lot of competition up front. Like this particular race was interesting because sometimes it works out this way where you have a really boring race. Now I say boring, but I was talking with Drew and they actually really enjoy the race. They had a lot of fun watching it. And if they did, awesome. I'm not going to sit there and say they were wrong if they enjoy the race and they were, they enjoy the race because their picks were up front and um, competing for the win. Most yeah. of them, right. So that does make you enjoy the race more. Well, I will totally admit that. Drew and Caitlin almost, you know, won with Kyle Larson last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, didn't Drew pick Kyle Larson again this week? I don't, you know what? I should know that right off the top of my head. But <laughs> it's it's right down here, right up. Or my maybe feet. he picked Harvick. I don't know. He he picked one of the one of the people up front, and then Caitlin come up and wanted to finish in second. So the fact that they had so much skin in the game near the end of this race, that that had them more in, invested in it, and I totally get that. I was keeping tabs of it because of my driver being in the vicinity of it, and he led the first stage, but. You know, I wasn't deeply invested in it until right. the end of it. And I was, you know, jumping over down screaming when my guy took the lead with a lap and a half to go because I knew I was about to win me a car. <laughs> oh, yeah. But 
And no, I did not buy the diecast, by the way. Oh, you should. I'm thinking about buying a 164th. I'm thinking about it. I'm okay. not buying a 124th sale. And just for That's correction, much um, Drew actually chose Kevin Harvick. I had the notebook right behind me. Um, he was going to win. Two weeks was, in a row, he was going to win if it wasn't a caution. And you know what? I, the what I'm noticing, like just, you know, you and I, we know enough about NASCAR. We know enough about uh, who typically, if I said Richmond, you and I can already formulate someone in our heads that is good at Richmond. What mm -hmm. I love to see is I know for a fact Drew is doing research. Mm -hmm. Drew is putting the work in. So is like Tim at a chair shot, Caitlin, uh, you know, Nicole and, and John Brown, everybody, I, I could tell everybody is doing research because everybody has really, really educated picks and I love it. I, you can tell, uh, when people pick somebody like Blaney mm -hmm. for Phoenix that they saw where he finished second in the last race. Absolutely. Just behind the champion. Right. You, you can really tell this stuff and how people are really uh, digging into the into the archives and really seeing what like I didn't expect so many people to pick Harvin. You know, even though he obviously is like the best one there that's active, but he hasn't been that strong lately. And I just didn't feel like people would pick him and then wind up being he was one of the most picked drivers. So that, that's what steered me a different direction. So thank you, everybody who picked Harvick. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, yeah. but we also, we got that late caution with like mm -hmm. 10 laps to go, uh, Harrison Burton spinning off the corner or spinning off the dog leg. I guess that's what it is. Clint Boyer and Mike Joy, are they called out NASCAR for such a quick caution? I, I mean, they threw a caution like that last week and I didn't hear anybody calling them out for it. I mean, the dude spun out. I mean, he spun all the way around. He's, yeah. And he's on the inside. Yeah. But then he starts shredding a tire and debris goes everywhere. And the caution came out before that happened. But still, it ain't like it wasn't going to happen anyway. So he shred debris everywhere. Now, I, you know, <laughs> when this podcast uh, started, you know, almost a year ago, we kind of scrutinized NASCAR a little bit for what we would call entertainment cautions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, law, like uh, Kyle Larson last, last week, um, you know, it, that in my opinion, when Eric Almarola hit the wall, I, that was a caution. That was going to be a caution at lap 40. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you a reason why I think that was a justified caution is because he was broadside in front of the whole field. Right. If he's broadside mid corner, throw a caution. Slow everybody down. It doesn't matter if anybody's around him or not. If he's broadside mid corner, throw a caution. If somebody just gets loose and bumps the wall and nobody's around them, don't throw a caution. Exactly. And they haven't been this year. They haven't been right. throwing a caution just because somebody gets loose and bumps the wall. They've let them keep going, you know, and get down out of the way and come. They have in the past, though. That's what, like, me and you, that's what we were talking about mostly. It uh, yeah, isn't the fact exactly. that somebody spun out and was broadside in front of the field or spun out all the way across the racetrack at the start-finish line like uh, Harrison Burton did. Right. Those those aren't entertainment cautions to me. Those are justified, we don't know what's about to happen with this. We need to slow people down before they get to them. 
Absolutely. And that's what I was saying was like, I mean, I will, I will go on record by saying there's been a couple of times, a couple episodes of mm-hmm. in the Marvels with Soda and Ethan, where I just was NASCAR that all they needed, they needed a caution to make this race very more, uh, a lot more interesting for the end of the race. Um, last week and this week, I feel like were absolute justified cautions. Um, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I see a lot of people, but did you happen to catch what, uh, Mike Joy said, I, I think it was like 85 to go. They were going to a, uh, full screen commercial break. And he said something, something along the lines of for all you keyboard warriors out there, <laughs> something like that. Like, did you catch that? What'd your, what do uh, you think about that? I, I, I didn't catch it at the time. I caught it on a review of everything after, after the race. And that just seems petty. Dude, I was, I literally heard it. Like, I caught it as he said it live and in, you know, live when it happened. And I thought, dude, what? Like, for one, shout out to Fully Posable for that. Like, he must be listening <laughs> over there. But it's like, man, you, like, Mike Joy was always a pretty stellar color commentator, in my opinion, for NASCAR. Um, I never had an issue with, now it's like, dude, I kind of don't even want to watch Mike Joy. Because, like, he just sounds so old and he sounds so petty and he just does, feels like, you know, it. for me, it sounds like he's at work. You know, because, like, if you're at work, you know, I know, Lord knows I do it. Hey, how you doing? I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, it's never like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And, oh, my gosh, I'm getting paid really well to do this type of living. It just kind of sounds like he maybe, maybe just needs to figure something out in his own life. I don't know. So you're saying KBW is watching NASCAR now? There, my guy. <laughs> Why are there too many commercials? <laughs> Why did you go full screen commercial? Gosh. Oh, my gosh. It ain't like it's not justified. I mean, dang, there's been so many commercials. It's just, oh, man. it's like they run, they run seven laps commercial. They run seven laps commercial. It's like, goodness gracious. I don't, right. I mean, I guess it's because it's on the big network and not like FX or FS1 or something. Mm-hmm. I think less commercials happen on those networks than they do the big ones, but I mean, you know what also bugs me? They haven't put a single race that's on Fox in 4K yet. Really? That was a thing they did all the time last year. Every single Fox race was 4K. They didn't even do the Daytona 500 in 4K this year. And, I mean, I bought the dang 4K TV, and I got 4K programming on the DirecTV box. Why can't you at least give me 4K on the NASCAR race? I know you can do it. You've done it before, you know? Dear uh, Fox yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bought a 4K TV. I've already I've already been a keyboard warrior about that. I have already <laughs> complained to NASCAR on Fox because they have their own Twitter account. I've already done it. I was like, I need 4K. Come on, <laughs> I right. pay for this. I know you can do it. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Uh, so the caution came out at the end of the race and completely jumbled up the field. Some people took two tires. Some people took four. Kevin Harvick went from first to what? Sixth or seventh. Yeah. Taking four tires and everybody else took two in front of them. And what was funny to me is that the 24 car 
just like in days past when I was a kid. He took two tires. The 24 car took two tires. And he wound up winning the race, beating people that took four tires. Yeah. That's so crazy. I mean, that don't, was a don't that was that tire soaking issue when I was a kid. Yeah. Don't say that too loud for the Denny Hamlin fans to hear that because it didn't work out too well for him. Tires. It's 24. That's what it is. The 24 tire soaks. They've done it since Do I was a kid. So? They've done it when I was a kid. Do you think do you think <laughs> they could get away with tire soaking today? If it's not detectable, yeah. I mean, because I don't know. I mean, it ain't I like mean, the tire would be wet. It isn't, you know, it, right. It, it, you would, you would uh, apply something to the tire mm-hmm. and it would soak into the rubber of the tire. And that would keep the tire softer for longer. And if it's not detectable after the fact, you know, if there's not a trace of it, like it either burns off or it just melts right into the actual rubber compound and you can't detect that there's anything there. There's no scent. There's no uh, any trace of it after the fact. And how are you going to know? This yeah. dog is going crazy behind me. It's gracious. Anyway, I don't think he tire soaked. I just, it's just funny because it's the same thing that happened when I was a kid with the right. same car. Yeah, I don't think th- I don't think these tires soaking either, but it kind of makes you wonder a little bit for sure. Well, I would yeah, I would say that if it wasn't for the fact that Harvick uh, or Reddick, because Reddick also took four, really didn't have a chance to win the race. I mean, Reddick kind of did. He was up there. He pushed the twenty four to the lead, but he wasn't like 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 uh, beating in the back door. You know what I mean? He's he wasn't yeah. like really there. Right. Like 24 handedly won this race at the end. Oh, 100%. And it wasn't like he was just a slow car all day long either. He, um, he had a real solid first, uh, first stage mm-hmm. and stayed right there. Second, I think in the second stage and stayed right there in the top three or four the whole time. So he, he just had to have things fall his way and they did. So I'll, good for him. Yeah. I will say this. Uh, I was kind of singing the praises of, of Ross Chastain saying how how good he's going to be. Uh, William Byron is also on that list. I think William Byron is going to be a multi-NASCAR Cup Series champion, and he is well on his way, And especially with the last few weeks like he's had. The whole 2023 season so far has been what seems like it's been nothing but Hendrick, nothing but strong runs from the 24 and William Byron is, you could tell that he's putting in the work and I can appreciate that. Um, obviously he's jumping in, uh, the, the Kyle Busch motorsports number 51 Chevy here in the next few weeks. Uh, I think three races, uh, really excited about that, but man, he's, oh, the kid's going to be good. You say that Hendrick, uh, this, this season being all Hendrick and stuff like that, but you, you know, take a step back. It's been all Chevy. But take a step back and look at the fact that the 47 won Daytona, Kyle Busch won Auto Club, and only one Hendrick driver has won this year. Correct. You know, Uh, so you got to keep things in context a little bit. You're looking at the last two weeks with kind of similar racetracks, you know, kind of a similar style, these two racetracks, and these two teams have a lot of momentum going right now. Um, 
I say two because the nine's not quite there right now because they got a replacement driver and the 48 kind of fell off last week. So right. either one of those two could be falling off randomly like that. I mean, because Bowman's not a slouch. Right. You know, I mean, he just about won the race the week before, too. I mean, they finished in the top three. Right. So, which, by the way, that was only their second top three, like one, two, three finish for Hendrick. Yeah. That's crazy to me that there's that's only happened once before. Can you tell or do you remember? Oh, yeah, I know. I was going to ask you. Wasn't it Dover of 2021? No, 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 what? no, no. The one, no. two, three, four. No, I, they didn't do one, two, three, four. Oh, I thought that's what you were talking about. No, no. It's their only one, two, three. If they did a one, two, three, four, that's different than one, two, three. They only had one other one, two, three. And that would be the Daytona 500 1997. Yeah, I was not going to get that. 24, the 5, and the 25 finished 1, 2, 3. Interesting. Yeah. Because so, that, was, that was Jeff Gordon's first Daytona. First I Daytona guess, win. Like, let me rephrase. So I wasn't uh, going back to my comments about uh, Hendrick kind of doing really well. I'm Not so much of, like, wins, but, like, the 24, the, you know, 48 was up there a couple weeks ago. The five is always a threat. What I was more saying is like Hendrick has definitely made their, you know, they've, they've been in the conversation every single week so far. Mm -hmm. They might not have had the finishes at the 500 or at, you know, auto club or, you know, whatever the case may be. But, but like Hendrick has been in the conversation and they've been a majority of the conversation so far this 2023 season. Um, yeah, you, um, right now, the 24 team, especially, but the five as well, because they've been in competition to win every single race, like the last two anyway. Um, the 24 team has set the bar. They are the top seed right now in the championship. They're the only team with two wins. So they're ahead of everybody right now. Whether they're physically leading the points, they're not. But they, I mean, they might be, I don't know. I haven't really paid that whole stage. I don't think they are, but. I mean, they're first. If if it ended right now and they go to to chase, they're first. Yeah. You know, so right now they are top seed, and everybody's got to play catch up right now. So that was Vegas. I mean, I'm sorry, that was Phoenix. These two tracks are similar. Like I said, I don't know why they put. I mean, they're they're similar, but they're not. I don't know why they put Phoenix in the short track category. Oh, I hate that racetrack. I hate everything about that racetrack. It's not I a short track. I understand that they want to put short tracks a mile and below, and Phoenix is a mile. But the way they reconfig, maybe old Phoenix, I could see. But then that would be like putting Loudon in a short track category. Do you put Loudon in a short track? A Dover? Yeah, I don't put Dover in a short track. I mean, Milwaukee? Yeah. Dover's so fast. I mean, it's weird to me. Like, the old Phoenix was one mile uh, configured the same way, just flat, and the uh, start-finish line was actually where the back straightaway is now. So it was on the straight, mm. not the dog leg in the middle or off-centered yeah. out, out of turn four, which is so weird. No weird place they put the start-finish line at Phoenix now. But the the old format was really, really flat, 
And maybe I could see how you could put Loudon and that old flat Phoenix into a short track category. But me personally, I feel like anything a mile and up is Speedway, especially if you're going to bank it up real high like Dover or Phoenix is now. Absolutely. Because you're not supposed to be running 170 miles an hour on a short track. Right. That's, that's what they're doing at Dover and Phoenix. They're running 170 miles an hour. That's not short track to me. 130, 140. Yeah, sure. Before you, you know, like Richmond's, Richmond's probably like that. At the end of the front row, they're probably running 130, 140. But then they're back down to like 100 in the corners. You're not like that at Phoenix. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not short track, but they put that short track package on. They had wipers on the cars this week. Like, oh. They were going to run that track in the rain. <laughs> I uh, I tuned into the Xfinity series and I saw windshield wipers and uh, mud flaps. And I thought, can you imagine what a what? cluster that's going to be? Well, what if it actually doing? rains at a track like Phoenix and they run it? <laughs> oh, my goodness, dude. <laughs> that the breaking zones alone are just ridiculous at Phoenix. Like, yeah, it would be a disaster. Oh, my goodness. If I was racing and they did that, I would run the apron all the way around the racetrack and just let everybody else have it. Oh yeah. I mean, I wouldn't touch the banking up there. I'm just I'd let just let me run below this line. There ain't nothing against it. There ain't no rule against it. I'm just gonna run below this line, let everybody spin off into the wall all they want. I'm just gonna putt putt around the bottom here and I'm gonna win this race. Just I can't imagine what they're thinking. Like I understand Martinsville, but you're still heavy heavy braking mm -hmm. but i mean at the same time though it's heavy braking at places like coda and watkins Glen, and they're going to run you know wipers and stuff there i i get martinsville i don't get phoenix and i don't think they're going to do it at dover i don't think dover's included in this uh short track uh rain package i i hope not i don't oh. think it is I hope that would be a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen for sure. Oh, goodness. There's a reason why they don't run Indianapolis in the rain. Oh, man. But they run rain, Indy cars in the rain, but they don't run Indianapolis in the rain. If you have never noticed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I've noticed and I knew exactly why, why yeah. they didn't do it. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, it's insane. I don't know what they're thinking. But, uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about Atlanta just a little bit. We, we have, we talked about it before. This is one of those races I wish I could go to it, but I'm working. Um, it's like three and a half hours away from my house. I'm going to go to one of these Super Speedway Atlanta races. I'm not necessarily thrilled that they changed the track the way they did, but I will say this. It makes it much watch. Mm, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I definitely want to go to one of these Atlanta races. We should uh, We should try to sync up and try to make it the same same race or something because i this is a must go to event for me atlanta and talladega man you gotta come to talladega well atlanta talladega daytona i i'm here for it i just gotta get the the pto going you know i've only ever watched a race a nascar race from a super speedway and i guess atlanta would if they're gonna call it that i don't call it that a mile and a half is not a super speedway right but to me, that's two and up, you know, I mean, maybe even two and a half and up, 
to me. Yeah, but I could see how Michigan and Auto Club could be super speedways, but not Atlanta, not a mile Man, and a half. Oh, I'll go to a Talladega race with you if you come to a Kansas Speedway race with me. That's a or <laughs> or I'll, I'll meet you in the middle. We can we can meet up at Charlotte Motor Speedway and we can go to this Coke Six Hundred or something because man, I these mile and a half races are fantastic. I I really feel like Atlanta would be the most entertaining to watch in person. That's going to be the probably the first mile and a half I go to, and yeah. it's. It's going to happen eventually, but I don't know how the fall race lines up with my schedule. But the spring race does not line up with my schedule. So I have to go from there. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Last year, both races were insane. And the first, I watched the highlights of both races just a little bit ago before we started recording, trying to prep a little bit, you know, because you, we only have one year on this track to look right. at the history of it, you know, as far as this configuration goes. And I got a good idea who I'm going to pick for next Ooh. week's fantasy cup. I'm not going to say it here. I'm mm -hmm. not going to say it probably until Sunday morning, just yeah, in case, I'm... you know, something happens and I change my mind. Chances are, it's going to be a repeat. My mm. first repeat of the year, fifth race in. So we'll see just based on how things went. But so much chaos happened last year with people leading and crashing out mm -hmm. of the lead because the first race fell into victim of the tire saga. Yeah. So many people crashed from the top two or three, even like first two. I think it happened twice uh, because they blew a right rear tire. You know, so many people fell out of the race that way. And right. it's hard to, like, I remember the 47 was leading and he blew a right rear tire. And you know, the 47 is going to be good. He just won Daytona. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's interesting how you want to look at things. Do you want to look at who's got the momentum now? Do you want to look at who uh, raced really well last year and had the finishes to back it up? Or you want to look at the people who raced really well last year that had some bad luck? that maybe they want to turn that around this year. Do you want to look at outside circumstances? Like, are you going to pick Hamlin when you know Chastain might come up and just knock him to the wall? Right. You know, you don't know. It's, it's a big unknown. The biggest wild card we have. Honestly, every single person could pick a different guy next week, and yeah. everybody will have the same chance of winning. So I absolutely kind of, this is the fun part about the Fantasy Cup when it comes to Atlanta, Talladega, and Daytona it really kind of doesn't matter who you choose because everybody has an equal opportunity. So I am going to go ahead and I'm going to announce my pick, put it in the <laughs> bank. I've already wrote down on the notebook. So for everybody that's listening, if uh, especially on that, fa that Facebook group, if I, when, when you comment your driver and I respond saying noted, that's me telling you that I have already put it in the notebook it's solid. You cannot choose it. it and I've notated it. Um, so noted, I am going with Ryan Blaney is my pick to win Atlanta this weekend. That's, <sighs> I mean, always good. Super speedways. That was feels my pick good. for Daytona. 
And you know what? I literally did not think about that until you just like, until five seconds ago, and I thought, you know what? Ryan Blaney's <laughs> going to win this race, and I'm going to make it official right now. So a Chevy's not going to win for the first time all year, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. Un unless it's Kyle Busch, and then I'm going to be happy about that. So like, let's go Kyle Busch. But except you lost all your Kyle Busch picks. I know, but I'm still going <laughs> to cheer for my hero, man. <laughs> I was still cheering for Chastain, even though. Uh, I was really happy at 24-1 last week. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's going to do it for the show, man. Do you want to answer Drew's question? Oh, yeah. He had a question. Yes, yeah, right. That's right. It was a, yeah. the restart zone. He wanted to yeah. know what we thought about the restart zone. I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other, honestly. I don't have an opinion on it <laughs> one way or another. Um, just to kind of go, and I know we're running long, so we're going to try to keep this pretty short, but um, it's a great question. It's a great mm -hmm. idea. So the, the, the reason NASCAR came up with the restart zone was to give the race leader an, um, an advantage. A, a more, more opportunity to do what he wants to do. Like give, give it, give him more options. Right. So when you're coming to the start of the race, when you're coming to the, you know, a restart after a stage or an accident, whatever, uh, as soon as the pace car pulls onto pit road, it is going to be the person who is in first place controls that, 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 uh, initial launch, right? The, you, so uh, let's say Soda's in first place and I'm in second place and you know, he's, you selected the, the bottom side. I selected the high side. I cannot accelerate until Soda, who is in first place, accelerates. That's the op That's the advantage that he gets for being the race leader. They created the restart zone, so it's a zone on the wall that they have two stripes down the wall for the for the drivers to know. Okay, I'm in the. You know, you could take off any time between point A and point B. So if Soda gets into that restart zone and he, as soon as his nose of his car enters that restart zone and he takes off, I'm not expecting that. Okay, now I have to go. If he wants to stay in the, you know, and wait until the middle of the restart zone and take off, that's his prerogative. If he wants to wait until the very, very last second before he exits the, the restart zone and then take off, that's his prerogative. As a race, you know, as a race car driver in the NASCAR Cup Series, the most elite level of stock car auto racing, you have to be prepared, right? I do not understand. Like that alone is an advantage for the race leader. I, as second place, cannot even remotely come close to beating the first place driver to the to the start finish line. Like at all. That's to me, that's an advantage for the for the race leader. I don't understand why NASCAR decided to extend it to like an extra 50 feet or, or whatever it was it makes mm. literally no sense. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. All it did, you know, a couple weeks ago at auto club was pile up 10 cars. It doesn't, I don't really necessarily care. I don't, I don't understand why they felt like it was necessary to extend it by how many ever feet when we have bigger problems such as you know cautions after stages um with you know things that are way more uh proactively trying to hey us fans we don't like this we don't we don't care about the restart zone 
I mean, I'm kind of a fan of doing it dirt track style and putting a cone right there. And, you know, if as soon as you hit that cone, second place can go. You know, if first place spins their tires, that's part of it. You got to make sure those tires are ready. You you are the premier level of NASCAR, of, of auto racing. You have to be on your game at all times. So the restart zone, I don't. I don't even like the restart zone, honestly. Well, I'll I'll give two opinions. One of it's from an actual person who used restart zones as a race racer. Um, one, they NASCAR does two different things when they change rules. They either change a rule because, uh, well, maybe three things. They change rules because of safety. Or they'll change rules because the fans are pushing something and they want to please the fans. Or they'll change rules because the drivers are pushing something and they want it to please the drivers. I feel like enough people driving the cars went to NASCAR and said the restart zone is too short. I feel like enough drivers went to NASCAR and said if we could extend it, make it a little bit longer restart zone, it would give the leader more of a, a more variety of what we can do. Like, you know, how late they can start, how early they can start. It would just, it'll mix it up so the leader can dictate the start a little easier, a little better, and uh, keep the other drivers on their toes a little bit more. It's everybody, el- it's, it's everybody else's fault if they wreck. Exactly. Straight up. If, if they wreck behind them, and the leader is not jackrabbiting the start, like off and on the gas, which is illegal, and they'll black flag you for that. If if they wreck behind them, that's on them. The leader didn't go. I mean, that's like that. They were wrecking like that when the, in the old restart zone. They didn't do it every week, but they still did it once in a while. You know, and that's just how it is. That's how it is in every form of racing. I've seen it where people tried to on local dirt tracks where people tried to anticipate the start and they get that running start. And next thing they know, they're, they're two or three rows deep past everybody before the leader even goes and they get black flag just because they're trying to anticipate it. And they go and they like, whoop, they didn't go. Oh, well I'm, I've messed up my race now. Right. As, as somebody, because in, in my dirt track, we didn't do the cone thing. We actually had a restart zone. We had a, uh, it's all based on landmarks, just like how NASCAR has the marks on the outside wall. We didn't necessarily have clean walls that you could mark up like that, but we had uh, infield things that you could mark up. One, uh, the, the track I went to, I think it had a uh, it had two cones. It had a, a two cones that were inside these uh, big white tractor tires on the inside. And because there were tractor tires laid around the inside of the corners and in the middle of turns uh three and four maybe just coming out of the middle there was a tire with a cone in it and then right when you hit the straight there was a tire with a cone in it so you had that whole turn three or turn four area that you as a leader dictated the start and of course if you reached the end of it and you didn't go the flagman was waving the green and then it's everybody's race i i mean this is how every everybody driving does i mean nascar guys do this everybody does this unless you're an idiot you you want to mix it up every single time i never did it the same way 
I led a lot of races on these restarts. And I, like I think I said before, I won, I can't remember how many heat races I won. I think it was 10 or 12 in 07. And I won mm. three features that same year too. I was leading a lot of restarts and I never did it the same way twice. Right. Cause I never wanted them to know what I was going to do. The only thing I ever did the same way was I kept the same RPMs and the same engine sound throughout the entire, um, caution period. I awesome. never wavered on my engine sound. I figured if they heard the same thing the whole time, they'll never ever hear me change the throttle. I sat there and watched my tack and I kept it the exact same every single time. That's the way to do it too. Very smart. And the only indication they had that I was going to do anything different. Like some people would be accelerating in like on the back straightaway. Like we would just be about full speed by the time we got to the uh, restart cone. That's how they wanted to do it. Or either they were just really, really antsy and they couldn't hold their throttle. And then you could hear some people kind of ease up on the throttle, uh, ease rev up on the throttle, like speed up a little bit. You could hear them do that and you knew what they were about to do mm -hmm. i never had that mindset i always had that mindset of they're not going to know i'm going to do it until i do it right you know and i know that's if you if you look watch the rpms on the cup guys if they ever show it in the speed before they actually hit the green you'll see that they just creep up and up and up and up because that anticip anticipation is going oh yeah um having said all that from somebody inside the car on restart zones and stuff like that. I totally understand why they did it. I'm sure the drivers, there are some drivers that actually spearheaded that and we just don't know about it. I'm sure that happened. I'm sure NASCAR didn't just do it on a whim and say, well, this will make things interesting. No, I feel like somebody went to NASCAR and said, Hey, let's do this. It, it should make things more fun for the leader anyway. Oh, for sure. And because of that, I, don't really have an opinion one way or another where it's bad or good. It's just I, another thing they have to do. So Yeah, I agree. I really could care less about it. Yep, it's just something they have to work around. And um, it'll work out for the leader sometimes, it'll, and sometimes it won't. Sometimes they wreck the field, but the old, old restart zone did that too. So I think before the restart zone, wasn't it just like when I was a kid, I want to say like in the 90s and the 80s and stuff like that, when the pace car went off, it was fair game. The leader could go anytime they wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's what I, I don't know why necessarily the restart, maybe just to keep them all closer together. Mm -hmm. Because in fact, when I was a kid, they didn't have double file restarts either. It was all single file with lap cars taking up the inside lane, which I mean, that seems so foreign nowadays, but that's all I knew when I was growing up, all the lap cars lined up on the inside and all the lead lap cars lined up on the outside in single file line. I can't remember the last time they did that. I don't do even you, know. Do you remember watching any races like that? No, not at all. <laughs> I feel like it isn't that long ago, but it could be a good 20 years since they raced that way. But that's just because I'm getting old. <laughs> um, I think that's going to do the show. That's going to that's gonna be the end of it. Let's get on out of here. Let's talk about the uh, podcast drafting partners real quick. I can't wait for Atlanta. It's going to be a fun race. Um, can't wait to see what everybody's picks are going to be and everybody's reaction to it next week. I hope everybody gets to watch the whole thing because hmm. it's going to be worth it. Yes, it is.
Uh, before we get out of here, uh, I want to talk about the podcast drafting partners real quick. Uh, Fully Postal Wrestling Figure Podcast. Go check them out. Jeff had talked about playing My Heart Will Go On from Titanic on the recorder. Oh, I know. And he didn't do it this week. Not that I heard, or maybe I missed it, but I don't think he did it this week. I don't think so. I, I don't know. I thought about I thought about bringing mine out and and give him a, him a tutorial because I know good and well I can play that on that. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll put it at the end of the show, Jeff. I, if you're listening, I'll put it at the end of the show and you can listen to it then. I love that song, by the way. <laughs> uh, also, Scott Side Project, uh, Drunk Wrestling History. Give them a give them a listen. Definitely not family friendly, but give them a listen. Doing the favor with Eric and Barry, a uh, positively pro wrestling podcast, Howling with the Wolf with Jason Wolf, and also, uh, if you can get in on it, the really, really crazy chop shop. And he showed off some decals that he's making, which is going to open a whole new world of action figures up with his uh, retro style figures. It's going to be so cool. And also, a Disney World podcast, not really going right now, but um, I'm sure they'll come back here and there. Uh, you kind of get an in and out of it as you're going to Disney and when you're kind of staying home a little bit. Uh, Magic and the Mouse. That's a good show I listen to. And um, here you got, Ethan. Yeah, as always, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Also, go check out shop.banemusic.com for all of Bane's new merch. Go listen to the archives of You Know It's Fake, right? Saturday morning Rumble Wheel with Brian Breaker and Daniel Cross. TV Toycast with Brian Breaker and Travis Fowler. No Holds Barred with the legend Bill Benis. You heard the commercial earlier. Go check out Tales from the Estate with Drew and Caitlin Vinsel with cameos from Rocco and Cole. Like Tales from the Estate, you also heard Pulling Up a Chair with our friend Tim at a Chair Shots commercial as well. Go check out that podcast. Stolen Gimmicks Pro Wrestling Podcast with Joe and Jordan. Uh, go check that out. Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner drops every Thursday where RJ from In the Marbles Fantasy Cup is the producer. Go check that out. Lionel Racing, the official diecast producer of NASCAR, has a podcast called Authenticated, the Diecast Collectors Podcast. And I'm actually sitting here in my bedroom today, um, and I have my diecast cars right next to me. And I've been playing, not playing with them, but like I've been kind of like looking at them literally the entire show. And these next-gen 124 scale elite diecasts are literally so fascinating to look at. I'm <laughs> looking at my Kurt Busch raced win Kansas and my Ryan Blaney all-star from last season. I cannot... Uh, there's no words to describe how amazing these diecasts are. So go check out LionelRacing.com. And that's all I got. Well, thank everybody for listening to the show this week. If you would, please rate and review and follow us on all the social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram at In The Marbles Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search In The Marbles with Soda and Ethan. You can look for that that red, white, and black Davy Allison number 53 logo, and you'll find us. Also, if you have any questions or comments about the show, if you would, please email the show at inthemarblespod at gmail.com. And you can also go to watermaneuver.net and you'll find our t-shirts there. Just search by store and you'll find the t-shirts for just about anybody we list. We mentioned up there. There's a lot of people that have t-shirts at watermaneuver.net. So go check those, those shops out too. And also go to skinnymixes.com and you can use the code marbles at checkout and get 10% off your first order. And before we get out here, got anything you want to add? As always, peace, love, and all of the above. And we'll see you next time in the marbles.
All right, this is for Jeff. Okay. So he wants to play My Heart Will Go On. I have to video it to really show him how to do this. It's simple, but you just have to know the fingerings on it. Oh, really? So I don't know if he understands the octave key on the back. Jeff, I hope you're listening. There's a hole on the back of the flute. The very back. It's only one hole back there, right? If you cover that hole up completely with your thumb and press the first three down on the top part of it with your first, middle, and your ring finger, that makes a G. That is the low octave key. That's where you're going to start with the song. If you cover that hole on the back halfway with your thumb, but keep those same ones, that's the high octave. So low and then half covered. That's the difference between them. So you got to use that half on some of it when you go up, but it's alternating uh, with three fingers. You guys see it on video. But anyway, that's the key to it on the back to get the low sounds and the high sounds. You got to half cover the hole to get the high sounds. Oh, I missed my fingers. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? Can you start over? Why? Go, go a little slower. I don't know if I can go slower. Okay, well then... And I haven't try. played it in a minute, so I might miss a note. <clears throat> just try your best. Why? Just just go with you it. You do not sing with this. I, I would go with it, bro. <laughs> I'm trying to teach Jeff how to play it. Jeff is going to like this. Every night in my dreams, I see you. I feel you. That is how I know. I don't know. I don't know the words. I should have Googled it or something. Well, that, see, you're singing. This is the uh, beginning part of it. You're singing oh, the, the chorus of it or the oh, actual wow. verses of it. Like, what is it? I feel you. Or something like that. <laughs> That's it. That's awesome. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I haven't played that part in forever. That's I always just play cool. the other part, so I have to. I'm missing some notes. But Jeff, I can teach you. I can teach you. I can teach you how to play this thing, and it won't be um, a shooty flute. I can't say the word you said Shoot. on this family podcast. Shoot. Shooty flute. I can't. I can't say what you say. I'm it will be semi uh, decent flute. If you follow my instructions, I will teach you. Just. Just hit me up. <laughs>